Picture this. You're driving along a dirt road, passing through a part of town that you can't quite recognize. You take a look out your window, and you can see, is is that a, a person? Running alongside your car, you can see an adult sprinting to keep up with your vehicle. Except it isn't, it isn't quite like a human adult that you've seen before. Its head is large and bulbous, and its eyes stare you down, intimidating you and chilling you to the core. This is a melon head. Another reason we don't look in the trees. Today on Don't Look in the Trees, we'll be learning more about melon heads, an urban legend that arose in three separate parts of the U.S. in the last 200 years. I'm your host, Abby, and I hope you'll join me and my fine forest friends on the search for the mysterious and the unknown. Melon heads are a group of humanoid creatures whose sole distinguishing feature is their large and bulbous head. They're known for their occasional emergence from their hiding places to attack people who venture into their territory, air bunnies, air bunnies. They are a well-known cryptid which seem to live in Michigan, Ohio, and Connecticut. These creatures joined the zeitgeist of American folklore after the release of the 2011 film titled The Melonheads, which is based around the Michigan version of this legend. The Michigan legend starts with a hospital in the area of Zogatuck, Michigan. This hospital was treating some children who were hydrocephalic, which means they have big heads. As the legend goes, the hospital had to close down, forcing the children to be turned away after they had no family to return to. The children fled to the forest nearby Felt Mansion in Ottawa County. There are some of these versions of the story which say the children lived in the mansion itself before fleeing to nearby caves that were left over from an abandoned zoo. The Melonheads of Ohio are mostly associated with the Cleveland suburb of Kirtland. The story goes that Melonheads were originally orphans under the watch of a mysterious figure known as Dr. Crow. Crow was said to have performed experiments on the children, which caused them to develop large, hairless heads and malformed bodies. Some accounts claim that the children were already suffering from hydrocephaly and that Crow injected even more fluid into their brains. The children eventually killed Crow, burned the orphanage, and retreated to the surrounding forests. Legend says that they can be seen along Wisner Road in Cartland and in Chardon Township. There was even a movie based on the Ohio version of the Melonheads called Legend of the Melonheads, which was released in 2010. Connecticut also has its own version of the story. Several versions can be found throughout southwest Connecticut, especially in central and eastern Fairfield County and western Haven County. People living in Trumbull, Shelton, Stratford, Monroe, Easton, Weston, Seymour, Oxford, Milford, and Southbury are known to have tales of the Melonheads. One version of the story says that there was an asylum for the criminally insane in Fairfield County, which burned in 1960. This resulted in the deaths of most of the staff and patients, although there were 10 to 20 that were unaccounted for. These patients were said to have escaped into the woods, where they resorted to cannibalism in order to survive the harsh winters of the North. They also resorted to inbreeding, which caused many to develop hydrocephaly. But yet another version describes the descendants of a colonial-area family from Sheldon Trumbull who were banished after accusations for witchcraft that were made against them, forcing them to retreat into the woods. As with the first version, their large heads have something to do with inbreeding. Melon heads are said to prey upon humans who wander into their territory. I should pause to note that there are many local variations which I could spend two or more episodes telling you about. 
If you are from Connecticut and you have a version that you think I should share, send me an email with your story. And send that in to dlittpod at gmail.com. That's dlittpod at gmail.com, which stands for Don't Look in the Trees podcast at gmail.com. One thing in common with many of the stories from Connecticut are secluded, rustic, or single-lane, usually, dirt roads running through the Melonheads wooded territory. Many towns in Fairfield and New Haven counties have rural or forested sections which commonly have single-lane dirt roads. Towns such as Shelton, Trumbull, and Monroe place the Melonheads territory around a mysterious and mythical street commonly referred to as Dracula Drive. None of the towns that have had a Melonhead legend have officially designated one of these roads as Dracula Drive, although there are many streets which are given the name despite being called something else. Here are some examples. Saw Mill City Road in Shelton, Edmonds Road in Oxford, Velvet Street in Trumbull and Monroe, Zion Hill Road in Milford, the roads around Lake Mohagen and Fairfield, Marginal Road in New Haven, Jeremy Swamp Road in Southbury, Paths and roads around Roosevelt Forest in Stratford. There are a few personal accounts I found in my research of people who have seen the Melonheads, and I'm going to share with those with you next. The first story I'm going to share with you is called Animal Corpses Mark the Trail Through Melonhead Woods. I live in Eastlake, Ohio, not far from Kirtland. I've heard many stories and have seen many things in the woods of Kirtland. I have seen the burnt shack of Dr. Crow and saw the chain that the Melonheads hung his dead corpse from. I can say as one person that the Melonheads are in fact real. Close by Kirtland, there's a small castle for picnics and barbecues and miles of hiking trails. When you walk down these trails, you can see some mutilated animals in the deep parts of the woods. I've been hiking back in the woods for as long as I can remember. Not one time while strolling have I not seen small dead animals and mutilated corpses and bones. That was written by Rich Glear. Next we have Bad Moon Rising over Melonhead Country. The story I've heard is that Dr. Crow, possibly spelled with a C, I've seen it both ways, was a doctor who practiced medicine out of his house in the early to mid-1800s. He had either been given these kids with mental problems or he kidnapped some kids. Again, I've heard it both ways. He ran experiments on them, injecting their brains with water. This caused the kids to become even more nuts and their heads to swell up like melons. Anyway, he kept them locked away in cages in a green barn next to his house. Now at this point, the story gets a little fuzzy. Either the barn burnt down in an accident, or a few of the melon heads escaped, or the barn is still there. I have yet to visit the old crow house, so I don't know if the barn is still standing or not. I am more inclined to believe it burned down. Anyway, these melon heads still roam the area near the Holden Arboretum, Wisner Road from what I've been told. Supposedly they come down only at night, and if it is a full moon, they are extremely vicious and will attack any humans they see. However, they have a hard time seeing. If you wear dark clothes, blacks, reds, greens, dark greens, or blues, you will be safe. But if you have any bright colors or white, you're a prime target. Again, my friends, don't look in the trees. Don't be out at night. Don't be out alone. Just in general. Usually, they just attack deer and other forest animals for their food. But on those rare full moon occasions, they will attack and rip a human limb to limb if they find one. This is the story I've heard from numerous sources. I have gathered many stories from people who have been out there, and from just people who know the myth. Justin V. 
caught a glimpse of a melon head at Mitch's mill. I know lots about the melon heads myth. I know that the Dr. Crow story is sort of true, but there are some facts missing. First of all, Dr. Crow did exist, but he lived in the 1940s and was a dentist. There could have been another Dr. Crow, though. Secondly, full moons have nothing to do with their nasty behavior. I know this from experiences with them, and from experiences that others have had. My first experience with what I think were melon heads is on the east bank of the Chagrin River. My brother and I were driving along Mitch's mill and saw a quick flash out of the corner of my eye. I looked right and saw something by a tree. It was very blurry, though. I was so scared I screamed, and my brother looked down his window. What the hell was that? He said. I guess he saw two because he turned around at the spring and headed back. This was near Mentor Road, which is off of Auburn. J. Local authorities deny existence of melonheads. At Wycliffe High School in the mid-60s, we heard a different version of the melonhead story. Some kids were driving around one day and saw a melonhead watching from the side of the country road. They stopped and the melonhead ran into the woods. They followed it deep in the woods and came to an old farmhouse. On the porch sat a middle-aged couple and several melonheads. The kids asked what was going on and the man explained that he had been a nuclear scientist during World War II. After the war, he married, but the exposure to radiation called all of his children to be born as melonheads. The government gave them a lot of money to keep quiet and brought this secluded farmhouse where they could live out their lives from prying eyes. He asked the kids to tell no one what they've seen and never return. Someone told this story at a party in the summer of 1964. Someone else thought they knew where the melonheads lived, so we all crammed into cars and headed out to find them. We got stopped by the police in White Hill. When they found out where we were going, they gave us a stern lecture that there were no such things and we should tell all of our friends that there were no melonheads. We were taken to the police station where we all had to call our parents to come and get us. We all agreed that the police were so intense in trying to convince us that there were no melonheads, that there had to be melonheads. If not, why were the police so obsessed that we were looking for them? Paul. The last story is ditched melonheads along the roadside. My name is Tony, and recently I had an experience with melonheads. It was October 5th, 2001. My stepfather, mom, stepbrother, and me were driving down a road in Chardon. We had been driving up and down roads in the same area for almost an hour with no luck. We were just about to go home when we came along a stretch of road that had fields on both sides and had an irrigation ditch running parallel with each side of the road. Just then, I looked out my window and I saw him, a melon head. He, or it, was running along next to the ditch. Since the ditch was too wide to jump over, it was coming close, like it was about to jump, then pulling away. At the time, we were going about 45 to 50 miles per hour, and the melon head was actually keeping up with us. It didn't look like anything I've heard in the stories. He looked about the same height as me, roughly 5'7", was wearing brown pants, which were very ripped up where the seams would be, and was held together by what looked like corn husk. It wore a white t-shirt with brown and red stains all over it, hoping that the red stains weren't blood. Its head was a very light brown tint. It had two holes in the side of its head, which I think were its ears? Its head was swelled up and its eyes were very big looking. Just as we turned a curve, it jumped into the woods. That's my story of the melon heads. These are stories from just Ohio. I'd love to hear more about where you lived in, if you live in Michigan or Connecticut, or if you've seen them elsewhere. If you have a story, send it to dlittpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow our Instagram page to keep up with new show releases and subscribe to the podcast so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. 
And if you want to rep our merch, we have a merch shop that's linked in the Instagram bio as well. Thanks, and remember, don't look in the trees, or else you might find yourself face-to-face with a hydrocephalic mutant that wants to eat your face. Bye, my fine forest friends.